Hello and welcome to Plotris. It's Meg. This is Blaine. And today we're reading Wicked and the Wallflower by Sarah McLean. This was published in 2018 and is the first book in the Bare Knuckle Bastard series. So this book follows Day of the Duchess, which was the last Sarah McLean that we read, which is cool. Uh, and it does ha have some references to the characters who were in that previous series, the Scandal and Scoundrel series. Mm -hmm. When Wicked Comes Calling. When a mysterious stranger finds his way into her bedchamber and offers his help in landing a duke, Lady Felicity Faircloth agrees on one condition. She's seen enough of the world to believe in passion and won't accept a marriage without it. The wallflower makes a dangerous bargain. Bastard son of a duke and king of London's dark streets, devil has spent a lifetime wielding power and seizing opportunity. At the spinster wallflower is everything he needs to exact a revenge years in the making. All he must do is turn the plain little mouse into an irresistible temptress, set his trap, and destroy his enemy. For the promise of passion. But there's nothing plain about Felicity Faircloth, who quickly decides she'd rather have devil than another. Soon, devil's carefully laid plans are in chaos, and he must choose between everything he's ever wanted and the only thing he's ever desired. I don't like the summary. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, oh, look, I'm going to be completely honest. It's not, I don't think it's that bad. I don't like it, but I think that maybe because I don't love the whole premise of the book. I liked the premise of the book. I had some problems with the execution at times, but I don't think this sort of captures my favorite part of the book, which was like the ethereal fairy tale mm -hmm. vibe. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's definitely missing. And this is, a, I don't, this is a standard romance jacket. Yeah. And I think this book, for better or worse, did sometimes deviate from the standard romance formula. And I wish that had been captured a little more. Yeah. Well, as usual, we wrote our own summaries based on a randomly generated number. That number this episode was 28. So my 28 word summary Fairy tale vibes and a life of the rooftops are highlights in the story of a blue stocking lockpick and a bastard son of a duke who runs a criminal underworld. Nice. I like how you you we you weaved in the fairy tale vibes, which is I think what stuck out to you the most. Yes, I I really really liked it. Yeah. All right, here's mine. What can you do when you fall in love with the woman you're using for revenge against your brother? Tell her the truth? Nah, just let her suffer. So you really also, I think, in your summary, got the thing that really stuck out to you about this book, which <laughs> right. was his um, incessant secrecy. Lying, yeah. And lying. That would be it for me. Yeah. yeah. So lots of tropes, and we both, I think, touched on them. She's a blue stocking lock, uh, wallflower. He runs Pastor the criminal Prime. underworld. Uh, she has a fake engagement turned real, but not with the hero. Yeah, so that's, we'll talk about this, because I liked this a lot, and mm -hmm. was a little disappointed in it. Um, we have the warring tribe of siblings. Uh, and the tribe of bastards. 
Yes, so they, they are also band together. They're all bastards. Um, oh, he and enters through the window, yes. <laughs> and that, I think, at this point is all the time. Um, Felicity's family has become secretly poor. Yeah. Secretly so now poor. suddenly she must marry. Mm-hmm, to save the to family. To save the family, yep. Yes. He's they got are... a douchebag daddy issue. She kind of does, too. I mean, you heard the secretly poor family, and they're basically yeah. trying to trick her into marrying anyone they can to refill the family coffers. Yep. So there is a brothel. I realize we put this under tropes, but this is just things that happen to appear a lot in these books. And it is a brothel that caters to women. So, And it does. It's a staple of this series. And I do yeah. feel like... Whoops, I'm in a brothel is a trope. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's very true. That's true. Um, and there's some heir to the dukedom drama. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's so much drama. So I keep calling this fairy tale and what do I mean by that? So, like, first of all, her name is Felicity Faircloth, and Devil only calls her by her full name. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sort of conceptualizes her as this princess in a tower. And in attempting to help her with her engagement to his evil secret brother, he sends her the most gorgeous dress she's ever worn and meets her out back in the garden and sort of acts as both her fairy godmother and her inductor into the sexual whatever. And I think the way... But there are certain books that when I talk about them, I just make my hands do waves. Yeah. And that's how I feel when I talk about this book. It's like, it was this sort of cloud. And he like is the, he lives on the rooftops and he's got a ring of spies on the rooftops. And it's sort of the whole book had this vibe of being above the normal of London. Yeah. And I, so Lane was really into this part of the book. I was not, I'm not, I don't think it was the writing itself. I think I just, if you're going to do a fairy tale for me, I want it to be a fairy tale. And here it was more, there was, there was, it was written as though it were a fairy tale, but it, but it wasn't. I don't know. It's not a fairy tale story. I get that. Yeah. I I don't know. I, I was not enamored with this book. He's not Prince Charming. No. No, he's not. Uh, let's briefly talk about the fake engagement drama. So what yeah. happens is uh, Felicity goes to a ball. She's basically been dumped by her previous friends. So her, she used to be part of the popular crowd. And then one day, she doesn't know exactly what happened, but they dropped her. She, she's, it was she's before been dropped. her family lost all their money. So. Yeah, so it has nothing to do with that. Uh, although who knows, maybe it does. She says she can't pinpoint a moment, but it doesn't seem to have anything to do with the money. Mm-hmm. And she's at this ball. Uh, and what happens is they, she falls into a confrontation with this group, this clique, mm-hmm. um, that she is no longer friends with. And she sort of is standing up to them. And then, um, they're just, they're even meaner to her in response. And she claims to be engaged to the Duke in response to their cattiness. So they're like, oh, Felicity just doesn't even have a chance with the Duke. And she was like, oh, you think you have a chance? Because I've already got in. Mm-hmm. And 
basically the Duke is looking for anyone to marry. So he's like, great. Now I don't even have to woo a woman. There's this woman who already says she's in love with me. I'll marry her. I'm going to be completely honest. If the book had been about the Duke and Felicity coming together and, and getting married, I would have been all about this book. Oh, I liked that the book point wasn't that. I would have loved it. But yeah, I think I've read that before. I may have read it before, but I, and think, I, I, liked liked, the... I think I would have liked it more than what I got. This book takes a turn that, uh, yeah, I, I just, I don't know that I would have loved it in this book. I think I would have rather seen a better version of this story. Well, that's, that's fair too. If this had been presented differently, I might've liked it better. Yeah. So, um, this blue stocking heroine is not a botanist. She's a, a lot. Yep. Why? Who cares? It's fun. It is fun. It's a little, the meta. So maybe here's the other issue too for me with the fairy tale stuff. Is it, 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 the metaphor is a little bit ham handed for me because he says, oh, well, yeah. why, why are you a lockpick? And she says, oh, well, I want to be able to open my own doors, mm, you know, which whatever. I mean, fairy tales are ham handed. I, yes, I know, but that's, I don't know. This wasn't, anyway, whatever. Yeah. I will say, this book reminded me in the lockpicking part of, of Amanda Quick's Dangerous. Okay. I pulled out my paperback version of Dangerous, which mm-hmm. is about an, an earl, the Earl of Angelstone, who, yes, who is a lock pick or who knows how to pick locks and he picks locks in the exact same way that Felicity does and that is by seducing them (laughs) so here is Angel Stone's dialogue when he's talking to a lock that's it love give me what I want open for me sweet let me inside all the way inside so that's what the Earl of Angel Stone says when he's picking a lock this is what Felicity says there you are darling I shan't be rough with you I'm a summer breeze and butterfly's wings. Once more, darling, please, again. It was fun. It's fun with both of them. Yes, I'm not saying I disliked it. I'm just saying, I'm just wondering if this was an homage or if this, apparently when you open locks, you just are sexy, I guess. I'm here for it. I've never picked a lock. I've picked locks in Skyrim before, but that, that was never sexy. Different. It's very different. I was really crappy at it in Skyrim. So we said this book takes a turn, and that turn is angst. So she's, as we said, fake engaged to the evil brother, and then the evil brother's like, yeah, sure, whatever, real engagement. I don't care. I just need a woman. And Devil, who, based on their traumatic childhood, had promised to hold his evil brother to the agreement that he would never wed or have children decides that the best way to hold his brother accountable is to get him engaged to Felicity and then seduce Felicity out from under him and abandon her. Yeah. And the thing is, this makes no sense. No, it makes, it makes zero sense. Like, I don't even understand what the problem was. The second he realized like, Oh, I have feelings for this girl. Yeah. There, there, there was no, so it's so much angst. They never really converse and there isn't an actual issue. Yeah. So, and I, the, I, I think that you're supposed to read the book and see it as the whole reason that Devil decided that this was the best revenge plan was because he wanted Felicity anyway. And so 
why not get her? He has to get her by nefarious means because he he keeps talking about how she's so far above him and he doesn't want to drag her down to his level. So it's like, is this a subconscious way? This is the only way he can do it is if she somehow gets, I, I don't know. I think it, you were supposed to see it as this subconscious thing. Like that's the only reason he came up with the plan in the first place is because he couldn't see another way of being with Felicity. Right. But then why didn't he quickly realize that was dumb? Yeah. That's the question. Cause his brother and his sister both figure that out real quick and they both tell him and he's like, no, I'm still going to get revenge. And, like, when Felicity calls him out on it, Felicity literally goes and says, look, this is what I've heard. Is it true? All he had to say is, that's how it started, Felicity, but you mean so much more to me than any of that revenge ever did. I'm so sorry for ever involving you in these schemes, but I still want you. That would have been fine. That's not but what happens, though. That's not what happens. Um, yeah. So... We mentioned that he's a king of the underground. Yes. This time he and his bastard siblings run an ice and smuggling ring. Yes. Which I did enjoy as a deviation from like gambling hells, fleecing the rich. Yes. I liked that they have an actual industry. Yes. I like that they are focused on doing good for the people born without. Yes. And that they're not really involved in the ton at all. Yes. Yeah. I like that part. I agree. I actually really like the whole ice, ice, ice importation slash smuggling ring. Me too. That was fun. Really enjoyed it. Definitely a change of pace from the gambling hell, which is usually what our criminal masterminds do. Or like books. blackmail. Like, I think you usually see people living on the fringes of society who, even if they don't want in, are living off of it. Mm-hmm. And like, yes, clearly some of their money comes from giving booze to rich people, but they're not trying to be a part of society and they're so removed from it. You can't even say they're on the fringes. Yeah. And yes. I liked that a lot. And I like that in the subsequent book in the series a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I like that part. I do really like that part. There are parts that I that I liked a lot. Mm-hmm. It just really, the part that was the issue for me was the relationship. And of course, if that's the issue for you in a romance novel, that, that's a big issue, you know? Yeah, so they do obviously get together, but it takes him having a near-death experience for him to realize it, which, yes. dude... Like, really, really, it takes you to almost die to be like, oh, maybe I want to be with this woman. Although this happens in a lot of books. This happened in um, Bringing Down the Duke, remember? Yeah. It wasn't until he had that near fatal fall from the horse that he was like, oh, maybe that's the last moment of my life. I want to spend it with her. And, but there are ways to do that trope well, and there are ways to do it when you're like, finally, I'm done with this. And this yeah. is definitely the latter. Yes. And they could have had the near-death experience not be the moment where he realizes. Like, he mm-hmm. could have realized it before and then been on his way to get her when he gets sidetracked by the villain. You know what I mean? Well, and the other thing is, she saves him. Yes. And I would have liked that moment so much more if they'd resolved their issues before it. Yes. Because the fact that this is a fairy tale story... But she ends up being the hero to save him in distress. Yeah. 
I would have loved that subversion to the vibe of this. Yeah. But it's tainted because the angst hasn't been resolved when it happens. Yes, I agree. I agree. Um, I think the issue and I because I've been thinking about this and this is something that I think bothers me often in Sarah McLean's books. And it's that the the heroine has to do a lot to get through to the hero. Oh, emotional labor. Oh, yeah. Yes. And for for someone who is so outspoken about writing feminist romance novels, it's really getting to me because how many times was Felicity the one to say um, to go to him, to, to seek him out, to be the one that went to see him and say, oh, I know you didn't mean this. Um, I know you're just upset. I know that you want to talk mm-hmm. to me. I know that this is how you feel. Well, no, I want the hero to do a grand gesture for for her. Mm-hmm. his grand gesture here was have some nice lock picks which is nice it's a nice gift if it was a gift to her i would have been like that's a great gift but that was like his grand gesture and she you know saves his life she say exactly exactly she saves his life which again that it doesn't bother me that she's the one that saved his life what bothers me is that she's the one who had to do all the effort in the relationship the comparative effort was the comparative effort yes yes <laughs> Uh, so that's sort of an offensive thing. Did anybody else in this book offend you? Well, <laughs> um, I don't know if it's offensive, but okay, look, this is a problem with the whole series. The, the, these three bastard siblings are kings and the kings and queen of the underworld. And the way they came up, the way they became masters of the underworld was by fighting. So, I mean, the the book is called Bare Knuckle Bastards. So they fight and they do not fight by any rules. They just get in the ring and they scrap. And they've been doing this since they were 12 years old, guys. So they've been fighting. And now it's no longer their primary means of income, but. They still do it. Yep. And yet every single one of these siblings is the most beautiful person you have ever seen. And not like sexy, not like he's big and brawling and his nose has been broken twice, but like Uh the rugged masculinity of him is appealing. No, like these are his grace with the angel face. Like, yes, Yes. like they, like she literally writes like the blade of his nose and like the, you know, (laughs) the, 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 like he's chiseled from granite. Yes. And I'm just like, come on. Could you at least not have done fighting then? Could you have done card sharping? I don't know. But the whole thing is just, it, it's not offensive, but I'm just, it bugs me every time. I'm like, no, you should have nasty looking cauliflower ears and yeah, broken nose. Yeah. Whatever. Split lips, like scars. Yeah. None of that. They are pristine and beautiful, which hides their rugged nature. Yeah. Which whatever Uh, it doesn't bother me that they are beautiful it bothers me that they are have been fighting for over for like decades of their life and and there's no physical mark on them from that experience there are physical marks their hands scars all over them Um, well i was more thinking of devil has a scar on his face but it's not a scar on his face but of course that oh my god we forgot the scar trope Devil has a sexy scar on his face. Sexy scar. Um, anyway, whatever. It's the whole boxing thing, but also beautiful face. That gets to me. So I would say there is a legitimate trigger warning, and there's some 
child abuse, emotional yeah. and physical. So yeah. um, his, his the bastards were raised in pretty awful circumstances. And if you really hate depictions of that, you're not going to enjoy this. Yes, that is very true. So, Lane, how sexy was this book? I thought this book was pretty sexy. I, I liked these characters. And I, while I wish there had been some non-angsty sex, I liked it enough that I found the sex hot, regardless of the angst. All of the sex was angsty, though. You're right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However, the the sex out on the whispering bench. Yeah. Sarah McLean's good at being creative. I think we once again yeah. have a couple that does not find a bed. Yeah, I don't think they do. I don't think they find a bed. They 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 do. They have sex in the cold room, the ice room. Mm-hmm. Not sex. They have heavy makeout. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, on the whispering bench, which was uh, very hot. The that highlight, and then on the rooftop. And then on the rooftop, yeah, yep. Although I will say, so that part too. I don't I don't know about you, but how she's he was like. So they go on the rooftop and he makes a comment about how she can be as loud as she wants to be because, you know, they're outside. And I was like, wait, 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 there is a scene in this book where they go out in the street and he's like, look up and down the street. She's like, there's no one there. And then he proves that actually there are people everywhere. And I'm like, no, 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 devil. I'm like, we know that your all your entire kingdom is like surrounding you right now. Yeah, whatever. It's fine. Whatever. It's fine, but it did bug me <laughs> slightly, slightly. This series has, I think both of the two that are out have moments of sort of voyeurism. Uh-huh. Like this one has the sex on the rooftop where you know they're not really alone. Uh-huh. And the subsequent one has sex in a storage room where the people outside absolutely know what they're doing. So not like true voyeurism and being watched, but like the knowledge that other people know what you're up to. Yeah. 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 Just an observation, neither pro nor con. Just, just mentioning. Yeah. Um, But yeah, Sarah McLean knows what's up. She, she, she knows how to write a good sex scene. We'll just leave it at that. Um, so this book how did you feel about the sibling dynamics in this? Um, okay, so they, I, I don't know how I felt about it. I don't know how I felt about it. That's a good question. I liked Beast and Devil. So I liked Beast and Devil. I thought Grace was a little unrealistic. But again, this is a fairy tale, so what do I care? And then Ewan... I don't know. I don't. So he's going to be redeemed, but I don't know how she's going to redeem him because he seems pretty terrible. Can we cross the spoiler line here? We're at the end. So guys, stop listening and go read the book if you don't want to listen to these last five minutes. So there's four siblings. Ewan, Devil, and Beast were born on the same day to three different mothers sired by the same duke. Mm -hmm. Also on the same day, the duke's wife gave birth to Grace, a baby girl, but the duke was not Grace's father. She was illegitimate. Right. And her, her mother and the duke could never have children of their own because the duchess 
pulled a gun on the Duke and shot his balls off. You basically, yeah, that's that's it. <laughs> Which, yes, please. That is excellent. <laughs> so the Duke has his illegitimate daughter, but born of his wife, so she can be legitimized, baptized as a boy. Mm-hmm. Sends Grace and her mother to live off in hiding, and then when her his three biological sons are like 10 or 12 years old, he goes and gets them all, rounds them up, brings them to the house with Grace, Mm -hmm. and then makes all the boys compete to be the Duke and basically become the son that they said Grace was. Right. The final test of this, Ewan is chosen and then told to kill the other three? Something like that. I mean, they don't really explain what the final test is but you assume that that's what it is because they keep mentioning devil saving grace's life and that's how devil got the cut on his face Mm -hmm. and i thought it was interesting because i got the depiction of like protecting one another and the way beast and devil are and i got that grace was other and i liked that beast and devil like didn't begrudge grace any independence but the way the three boys, when Beast and Devil talk to Ewan about Grace, they very much talk about her like an object. Mm-hmm. And it's not in the way they treat her to her face, but mm-hmm. Ewan is very much, it was your job to protect her. Because spoiler alert, at the end of the book, Devil ends up telling Ewan Grace is dead, even though she isn't, because it's the only way he can think of to get him off their trail. And I just, I didn't love... Even though Grace made that decision with Devil, he didn't, like, do it to Grace. Mm-hmm. I didn't love, then, the way Devil and Ewan talked about Grace. No, I agree. And Grace didn't, she didn't appear often enough in the text to really take on her own character. I think that was intentional. I'm not 100% sure how I'm going to feel about her love story with Ewan. I'm... But I'm excited to get more of her. Yeah, I'm worried about it. I'm worried about it. And this is coming from someone who I I forgave Sebastian, Lord St. Vincent, in Devil in Winter. I did not. Right. But I don't, I'm nervous about this. I mean, the thing is, there's going to be some kind of explanation for what happened. Oh, actually, I wasn't going to kill her. I was just going to do this or something. Like that's, I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. You know, that's what it's going to be. You know, that's what it's going to be. Because right. it, she, he can't actually have wanted to kill her. I had to make it look real for our father. Right. Whatever. She knew, blah, 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 whatever. Um, but what he does to Devil in this book is pretty much unforgivable. He leaves him for dead. He leaves him. He beats him up and leaves him in a fridge, basically, to freeze to death. Yep. You know, I mean, it's it's not and he does. It's not like he tells someone, oh, go get him. You know what I mean? Like that. He could have done that. He could have left him and then sent a note to Felicity saying you have to go save your lover. Right. You know, which I uh, like honest. Look, I'm I am that romance reader where if, if he had done that much, I would have been like, OK, I can forgive him. But he did right. not do that. He didn't do no, that. No, he, he left him to die. He wanted so... him to die. It's going to be a heck of a redemption arc. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, so while I would say this book falls into a very medium ground for me, 
neither rave about nor skip. I really like the next one in the series, and I don't think these would do well separated. Yeah. I think you have I, to read this to read the next one. That's possible. You, I, I don't know if you have to read it or not, actually. I, I don't know. I, I also am much more forgiving of reading a book um without knowing too much about it so lane likes to start at the beginning of the series i don't really care all that much i did not like this book very much so. yeah I, I think i was a three star you were probably a two something like that yeah yeah so um thank you as always so much for listening we love making this podcast, especially right now when we are socially isolated. <laughs> so if you um, are enjoying listening to it, we would love it if you could rate, review, and subscribe. And if you have any recommendations, now is a likely time for them to be fulfilled. So feel free to hit us up on Instagram. <laughs>